0: Hello and welcome to Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. I'm Priscilla McKinney, and I have with me someone who is going to talk about a very cool but seasonal and very important topic today. We're going to actually try and flip the switch, maybe look at something from a little different perspective. I know you come to expect that when you're listening to Ponderings from the Perch, but with me today is Ann Stevenson from Explore Research. Welcome, Anne. Thank you, Priscilla. I'm so glad to be here with you today. It's just taken me a while to get you to, or so should we say force you to, or lure you into my podcast?
1: <laughs> I know. Well, we've known each other for a few years now, and I'm so happy to be here and talking with you today. Well, we've
0: had a lot of interesting conversations over the years, but if you don't know, Anne, she is one of the founding partners at Explore Research. They are a shopper insights company, and they really help develop and launch these winning retail strategies. But more than anything, all of those strategies they create, they're grounded in shopper behavior insights. So we all know that people say what they say about what they do, but then they do what they do
1: about what they do. And so that say-do gap is huge, right, Anne? (laughs) 100%. hundred percent yeah yeah and that's why we always try to look at the behavior versus just what people are saying
0: I love it well she comes at this with with many decades of experience packaged goods retail pharmaceutical e-commerce and then all kinds of technology and tools VR eye tracking so we'll talk a little bit about that today but really what she's done with a group of founding partners at explore research is to say let's take the best of the best let's bring it together and let's let's instead instead of starting with a methodology or with the technology, let's instead start by listening to the client and hearing the problem, the big wicked challenge that they're facing at their, at their, um, brand and see what kinds of things we could lend in order to give them that insight. So I love the approach there. Um, but I have heard her speak at IIEX, at quirks at shopper brain at, um, uh, shopper insights and activation, all kinds of other places. And she also teaches. So I think, I think we're going to get schooled people. That's what I'm saying. <laughs>
1: Well, I don't know about that Priscilla, but
0: uh, <laughs> well, this is going to be fun and I'll kick it off by saying this, tis the season to start shows with tis the season, right? It is, yeah. <laughs> So you know a lot about shopper behavior, which we're in the middle of, you know, from black Friday to Christmas. But what people are typically doing, at least in my marketing world at this point, is doing these wrap ups like what were the best blogs of the year and what were the best, uh, you know, brand uh, or rebrands or launches or things like this. And you and I talked about a much more interesting subject, and that is at this point, forget about what was the best for this year, but what does it even mean anymore to be the best So, kick us off, Anne, with just what you think that means for the team at Explorer Research.
1: Yeah, well, I think in the past, you know, we do a lot of packaging uh, research as well. We'd look at what were the best packaging innovations. A lot of time, that would just be what was the most engaging graphics uh, from a pack standpoint, what performed really well, what was really innovative in terms of a new packaging structure that a client came out with. And we'd look at that and see what we thought was really creative and different in terms of what was unique in the marketplace. And of course, now things have uh, changed. People are so much more aware of the importance of sustainability. So now I think as we look at the best of the best, we need to look at it through a different lens in terms of who's really going that extra mile in terms of uh, sustainability, reducing uh, plastic in the environment, um, You know, really making a shift towards, is it more paper or glass? So it's really just a focus, a very different lens, I think in terms of how we define the best of the best. Um, and then even as we look at kind of the best best companies, it's a whole different lens as well in terms of what are they doing in terms of diversity and inclusion? What are they doing culturally? So we have just such a different lens in terms of how we really reflect and think about what do we want to be doing going forward? Gosh, I love that. This is
0: such a bigger conversation. So it's not just about sales. It's about how we're really serving the consumer long-term. And then it's not just about revenue. It's about, like, are we a good company? Are we a good corporate citizen?
1: A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So it really is shifting that perspective and thinking about things different. So it's almost not typically we would look back and think what's the best of the best, but it's really going forward now. What, uh-huh. what, how are we setting ourselves up? for success in the future. And it's just a very different lens in terms of what's important to consumers um, and to companies going forward. So, I mean, most of our clients have a very strong focus on sustainability. Um, They're really actively looking to um, really improve their, their footprint in terms of what they're doing from an environmental standpoint. Um, And that's really just the key measure of success going forward. I know, Priscilla, you have a daughter around the same age as mine. And man, you know, our, our kids, they are so focused on this. It's critically important to them
0: right and on one hand you could say let's do what they want because they're the consumer of the future on the other hand you know we we need to do what we want how how do we want to leave a legacy like what do we want you know in the wake of of us having led corporations. so i know that's very important to us as well i want to ask an interesting question about the real collaboration that you have amongst multiple founders at explorer research it does strike me that because all of you who are uh, partners are very experienced in this industry that you're able to, and I'm not going to put a judgment on this, but I, I want to say it maybe like this rise above kind of the fray of the conversations that are having kind of, you've seen it all. And it seems to me from the outside, having spoken with uh, other partners of yours that you all find it a little bit easier to look through these larger lenses. Tell me about how you work together. Like, what's that collaboration between you all at a high level?
1: Well, I think absolutely we do collaborate and we all bring sort of different experiences in terms of our background, whether it's a bit more of a marketing focus, more of a category management, sort of pure insight focus so we can really look at um, different challenges from a client standpoint uh, across different perspectives and I do have to say you know having been in the business for so many years that you know sometimes you'll be meeting with a client and um, you know I'll kind of actually remember maybe research that was done on the same topic before so we can definitely sort of add that context and and, um, perspective in terms of uh, we have we have seen sort of different uh, waves or trends and then we really can kind of look at from very much the lens of where are all these big trends and where do we kind of see that going forward? But I definitely think, um, it's such a fundamental shift that we've uh, seen over the last five years that things are very different, um, from, you know, the time that we were all on the, on the client side uh, of the business. So mm-hmm. they're just very different challenges in terms of what our clients are dealing with, um, And, you know, we could spend forever talking about the changes from a retail standpoint, direct to consumer, um, the changes in terms of, you know, really how the manufacturing based clients need to really understand their total supply chain and, you know, really strive for achieving different sustainability targets. Uh, So it's all about how do you kind of achieve those but then also meet what the consumer wants. Um, So it's bringing those two different worlds together. And I think definitely just sort of the different perspectives that we have from a team standpoint, we can really, um, you know, help our clients uh, where, where they need to go for the future.
0: Well, you said this just very quickly in passing, but all of you as partners do have experience from the client side. So I do think that is interesting perspective. You've been there. You've been the person trying to tackle the big issues and balance what the consumer wants, what the revenue needs to be, and what the big dreams and aspirations are for the company. So that there's there's not one goal anymore for a company. It's not just go make money. (laughs) And so that's a tricky place for people to be. But let's go on the this idea of this, what does it mean to be the best of the best as we close the year out and say, what will it mean really in 2022 and beyond to really be best in class? So tell me either some examples of some things that you've seen this year and some projects that you see being teed up that to you look like the best of the best, um, or either examples of that, or tell us how those conversations are happening with, with clients.
1: Yeah, so I think in terms of what we're seeing from a client standpoint, just lots of focus in terms of from a packaging standpoint um, on uh, shifting materials to things that are more environmentally friendly, uh, a big focus on what do we say? What are the claims we should put on package? And even from a consumer standpoint, it's so complex. So how do we educate um, what's really a good move for the environment? So there's certain things that are maybe buzzwords, but maybe that's not making the biggest impact. Um, And a lot of that even just, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, food based clients, that comes right down to the actual agriculture and and how, you know, farms are going to make things sustainable. So it's a very complex kind of area. um, But all of our clients are focused on it in terms of how do they make these changes. How do they really ensure that they're focused on them and and the consumer is going to, um, you know, really uh, understand uh, the the, the changes that they're making from a sustainability standpoint? So we're definitely seeing a lot of that. Um, I think from a a retail standpoint as well, just a, a, a ton of innovation. So, yes, there's the environmental piece, but then there's also how do we improve the experience? So, For those, you know, traditional retailers, we're just seeing a lot of really, really interesting things that are happening in the marketplace, they're all testing how they reinvent their experience, and uh, just a lot of interesting things I mean you look at target they've got the. Um, Ulta beauty stores, just what a great idea in terms of, if mm-hmm. you think about buying, buying makeup, um, you know, mass has a certain kind of perception and then now you can um, be within a target store and, uh, you know, have that Ulta beauty experience. And they didn't just stop with the product and the, you know, feeling like you're in a store within a store, they actually look to the service element as well, which is really important in terms of the overall experience. So all these lines are blurring, um, you know, really it's about kind of how you can better service that. Uh, consumer how you can create a better experience and we're seeing it across sort of all lines um, of the business and and even from a supply chain standpoint um, I don't know if you've heard of a company called Resonance which is um, they basically do just-in-time fulfillment in terms of uh, actually creating different uh, um, designs so from a from a fashion standpoint And I think about it, you can, uh, you know, the traditional model has been thousands of uh, products that would get um, in inventory and then the retailer would discount and you'd have all this, you know, supply chain uh, waste essentially, and now, on an e if you order um, from a smaller uh, fashion manufacturer, uh, you can then, uh, the order goes direct and they produce just in time. So it's one on one in terms of you've placed your order and then they actually produce the product for you. So we're just seeing so many different innovations in terms of um, more than just the actual retail, but sort of the whole supply chain.
0: Yeah. You know, I've been a really big fan of Zara for a lot of years. It's a Spanish-based fashion for but they, they were, they were decades ahead of this idea, but it, it, what's, what's interesting is, um, you know, what they were doing seemed like a pipe dream. Now this is becoming, you know, a real answer to the sustainability issue. Like what you point out about fashion, it creates so much waste. You know, this is, you know, we, we guess at what consumers want. We put it out there on the shelves. We have to discount it. Now we have this, you know, you think about all of the um, energy that went into creating, you know, all of those clothing, all those clothes, which we don't need, you know, and now have to be practically given away. And then we have other retailers popping up in order to handle that, you know, but I also just was reading an article just this morning in the Economist. About, you know, farmers and agriculture and the kind of waste that is going on, you know, with the amount of food that we're creating and creating waste. So these ideas of sustainability are not pipe dreams anymore. What you're saying is really best in class is anymore having that conversation about how do we adjust our behavior and how do we adjust our footprint in our store or how do we adjust the customer experience right now to make that a reality.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's not just, um, it's everything along the supply chain in a way. So you think about, can we get more efficient? So uh, you think about customization, all these trends that we've seen, can it then impact? So we're not overproducing from a supply chain standpoint. Um, And we have the technology where, um, you know, a consumer can order something and then can you customize that production? So it triggers that one-on-one production and we're not having all that waste in the system. Okay, bear with
0: me on this tangent. You're probably going to think Priscilla, you're so bizarre, but (laughs) this is my show. And also, I happen to know that you are a, a person deeply curious about human behavior and, and you have a wacky sense of humor like I do. <laughs> so, there was this episode on Futurama many, many years ago. And right. basically, what they said was they were putting this guy, in, they were to amputate this leg and they were putting him into surgery. And they basically said, We have the technology. We just don't have the resources. And what they did was they took and amputated his leg and put a mop and a bucket in place of his leg and foot. Right? <laughs> and so that also maybe lacks a little bit of vision and foresight and planning. But what's interesting about this, I swear it comes back around elliptically, is that we do have a lot of this technology now, but we are what we're seeing is that companies need help in order to understand the vision and bring the right resources to that technology, because technology itself is not going to save us. So tell me a little bit about that on Shopper Insights, because you all do have a lot of technology that you bring in order to help people solve really these challenges that they're having in the brick and mortar place and also in e-commerce. But what is needed beyond the technology?
1: Yeah, so for sure, we do a lot of technology, whether it's virtual reality, eye tracking, facial coding, everything to really understand that behavior, see where people are looking, how they're actually behaving within an environment. So we really think context is very important. So you need to really understand the context and the environment because that very much shapes behavior. But it's just data in terms of the technology. So in terms of different simulated environments or eye tracking, you ultimately get a lot of data out of that in terms of what people are looking at, what they're buying, how they're moving through a particular space. But it's really the interpretation of that that's really important. Because for instance, someone could spend a long time shopping a particular section. And that may be that they're um, really engaged and really interested, they're exploring. Or it could mean they're really frustrated that they can't find something. I mean, I don't know how many times I've stood at the shelf and I can't find something and I get uh, frustrated. So it's the interpretation. Um, so we can very much sort of look at eye tracking data and understand what are they doing? Is it um, you know, that they're frustrated and they're scanning back and forth and they can't find something? Are they more engaging and exploring? So we can really kind of interpret those um, behaviors and then help our clients solve for that
0: going forward. So it seems to me like any more of the conversation we need to be having about what does it mean to the, be the best of the best and what is it, what, what is a best in class conversation? What is a best in class, you know, uh, company is getting deeper at the why,
1: why are consumers doing what they're doing? A hundred percent. So there's, you know, you can look at the what in terms of what they're buying, um, but it's really going that added level of why, which is so important. So that's where a lot of the behavioral uh, tools that we use uh, are so effective, because Um, We can even look at from someone shopping an e-commerce site and use eye tracking to really understand, okay, they looked here, but then they didn't actually buy. So if you were just looking at clicks and um, purchases, you'd have a very different understanding versus if you really look behaviorally, where are they looking? How are they navigating? Where do they spend more time looking at a particular um, website? Where Where are they engaging? What are those behaviors? How do they sort of filter down their purchase? How do they search? So that's where... The why is so important because you could just look at the sales and really come to a very different conclusion versus going in depth and understanding that behavioral piece.
0: Right. Well, just on a personal note, you know, you've seen so much in this industry, but going into the next year, what's exciting to you that like, what, what are those bigger conversations that you personally have, you know, the skin in the game on what, what gets you excited if someone says, Hey, we're going to talk about X, Y, Z sustainability, whatever it is. And you're thinking, oh, my gosh, I cannot wait to get in that room. What's that topic for you, Anne?
1: You know what? I think for me, what I'm so excited about is just the lines blurring between direct-to-consumer retail. Everything is changing. So we're seeing things like um, Casper, which was a direct-to-consumer brand. It's now in Bath, Bed, and Beyond. Um, So, so interesting in terms of all these lines, the rules being broken. And we've been seeing this for several years now. But it's just really everyone's looking to reinvent. Um, So it's no longer business as usual. Um, The lines are blurring. We're seeing different ways that we need to connect with consumers. And I just find that really exciting in terms of where everything is going to go for the future. Um, We see so many small brands um, that e-commerce has enabled. It's just it's just really, really interesting. I've never um, experienced such change in such a short period of time.
0: Mm, I love it. It is to me a little bit like how marketing went digital. And so once upon a time, you know, you think about my industry, you yeah. used to have to call somebody up on Madison Avenue and see if you could get an ad, right? I, yeah, <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> you remember that. You know, and they were the gatekeepers of that. And now, I mean, you don't even need a firm like Little Bird Marketing. You can go right out and use social media and get to the consumer. You know, I'm, I'm not saying someone does that right, or I do it the better, or, you know, the Ogilvies of the world do it better. The point is we all now have these access and it is a, a A much more level playing field for brands coming out and wanting to actually make their case to consumers. And so to me, it seems like almost a democratization of brands. You know, I'm not being forced to choose only brand A and brand B that have been the stalwarts in this particular industry. Now I'm getting like Eighteen choices of sriracha flavored something, you know. So whatever, whatever the trend is, and so it is bodes very well for disruption, and it bodes very well for consumer choice. But also, how do you and navigate that with with brands who, you know, are facing such disruption? Because you do work with very large, very established brands you know, besides the disruptors and those brands have got to be feeling it. So when they think about how do we stay
1: the best, (laughs) what are they saying? Well, I think obviously challenger brands are a big thing in terms of the barriers to entry have been pretty much eliminated. Um, You know, with Shopify, you can be up up and running in business um, in terms of, you know, a smaller brand. So I think for a lot of the larger, more established businesses, it's you got to stay relevant. You need to innovate. You need to really connect with your consumer around what's important to them, you know, have the values that connect with that consumer and continually innovate. So, you know, some companies are doing a great job, you know, from an experiential retail standpoint. Um, you know, you think about Dick's Sporting, great in terms of what they've done. So, they, you know, that's, I think, where these bigger brands can really sort of create that experience. And then certainly from an e-commerce standpoint, how do you ensure that your brand is really getting the visibility that it needs. Because really the playing field gets leveled in terms of e-commerce. So we work with a lot of our clients uh, in terms of how do you make sure that your brand is uh, you know, first and foremost and that you're really getting the visibility that you need. Um, and that's constantly changing too. So they all have dedicated teams focused on that to ensure that um, from an e-comm standpoint, uh, they are still getting uh, the profile that they desire.
0: Yeah. On one hand with brick and mortar, it's like, oh, it can be frustrating. It takes a long time to get that item to market. The frustration yeah. on e-commerce is that it takes very little time to get that item to market. And you, you still have to get it right, whether it took a long time or whether it was short.
1: A hundred percent. Yeah. And also e-commerce is a great way to test new innovations. So there's, uh, you know, some clients that are actually, they'll just put a a product out and see how it does, you know, versus traditionally, you'd launch it in retail. And um, so again, like all of these lines are blurring, and there's very different uh, ways you can approach in terms of innovation, how you're going to create an experience, how you're going to connect with that consumer. Right. I love it. I
0: think the, the big thing that we hear and you know, that we've been talking about is just that consumer choice. It's used to be consumer choice about products. Now it's consumer, consumer choice about the values of brands. Now it's consumer choice of, do I want to pick it up? Do I want to get it here? I mean, like the, the choice is just, it's getting, you know, insane. (laughs) It is. It can be overwhelming at times. Yeah. I'm sure you have to walk, you know, brands through some real difficulty and in that overwhelm, uh, you know, and, and it's not just, as you know, a function of COVID granted, a lot of those things may have accelerated things that were already into motion, but even as we leave, hopefully this uh, post COVID years, you know, thinking about, well, now it's kind of, um, you know, the jig is up. We can do everything differently. So, so are we, we going to do things yes. differently?
1: That's the question. Yeah. 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 yeah, for sure. I do feel optimistic that we will do things differently. And see, that's what I love
0: about my show. I get to have people on who are hopeful and actually doing meaningful work. So <laughs> and thank you so much for joining me. You need to go out and check out exploreresearch.com. Do go look at the technology and the things that they provide. But as Anne mentioned, you know, getting to the why of that consumer behavior and really understanding their motivations and what is driving, you know, uh, their behavior. Sometimes consumers themselves don't know what it is. <laughs> and So we have to help figure uh, that out. But I really love the work that you all have put out and just the, the approach too that you've taken to try and making this industry better. I really appreciate that, Ann.
1: Thanks, Priscilla. It was such a pleasure speaking with you.
0: Check a look at exploreresearch.com or visit Ann Stevenson on LinkedIn. That's Anne-A-N-N-E Stevenson, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S-O-N. So definitely connect with her and thanks so much for listening from all of the peeps here at Little Bird Marketing. Have a great day and happy marketing.